the heart of Shaja. This is Pulse 95. Life beats. Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, welcome back to the second hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, this hour we are uh, talking to Zarin Khan. She is the founder of Woman to Woman Events and PR. And Rob Ellis is here, Vice Principal and Head of Secondary at Scholars International Academy. Welcome to you both. Hi, Sally. It's good to be here. Yeah, hi, Sally. Thanks for inviting us. Good to have you in, uh, both of you. Uh, but, Zareen, I reached out to you uh, because um, you actually wrote a play uh, just very recently um, all about uh, mental health issues for, for young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called The Slumber Party Confessions. I love the name. Thank you. Um, but it, I think I'm going to leave it up to you to tell us all about it. Uh, it's a great idea. Um, I work a lot with high-achieving uh, kids, especially when it comes to performing arts. Mm-hmm. So there's a constant um, interaction with them. And I see the highs and the lows very closely. Um, I also work with overzealous parents who sometimes... Because they're always the ones who... Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. a lot of projection of what they wanted to do when they were kids. Um, now their kids are living out their dreams for them on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pressure points are, are right there for the children. And I think sometimes during this time period, um, when they're growing up as well, and they have real life issues that they're confronting. And when you're a teenager, even your grades seem to be like a life and death situation. Um, so it was a combination of a lot of conversations around me at that point. And I thought I'd just pen it down because I come from a creative um, background. So whenever you can't really talk about something, you either paint about it, you write about it, or you dance about it. You know, for me, expressions have always been the way. So creative expressions. So that was uh, how the play was drafted. And then I spoke to a lot of um, young children, uh, mainly in their early teens, and um, kind of understood their language because... you know, they don't use cool anymore. <laughs> I didn't know that. I know. So there, that's just A so, lot of words have been we're replaced. We're so old. I, I still say I cool. The it's millennials. Lit. Yeah, it's Things lit. Things are lit now. It's lit. and so <laughs> I feel like such an idiot saying that. <laughs> but yeah, things have changed. So a lot of the language then had to be um, revised, Yeah. you know, to make it more current dated. And it was uh, fantastic to work with children. We took on uh, kids who were who had never been on stage. So I had a team who kind oh, so, of... So how many kids were, were part of it? And what was the age group that was acting this out? Okay, the main actors were five girls mm-hmm. um, between the ages of 16. And it went up to about 20, you know, because the, the topics were a little bit intense. So we couldn't really have young kids um, on stage performing. And the dance crew that we had for this was close to 70 kids, you know. <laughs> 70 kids part of the dance group because yeah. the, the way you did it which is really great you incorporated humor into it yeah there's music there's dance yeah so every emotion when they're feeling it there's a dance that expresses it and there's mm. music because music plays a huge role when you're growing up I bet every one of us has a breakup song <laughs> that Absolutely. will take us way back I think mine consisted <laughs> of a lot of Mariah Carey Mariah Unfortunately, Carey, Brian Adams, you know, there's like <laughs> a list of. <laughs> That's really sad to admit, but yes. Uh, Rob Ellis, uh, do you have a breakup song? <laughs> Not that I can remember, or I'm willing to announce it here. No. 
<laughs> but in your in your uh, experience, because you are uh, somebody who's been uh, teaching for a long time, uh, an administrator for a long time in in many different schools around the world, what do you see when it comes to uh, young people and mental health and the kind of things that they're dealing with? Well, the young people are always under a lot of pressure. I mean, it's been they've been pressurised for centuries. I mean, mm. it's not a brand new thing, but it's. A different sort of pressure. I think now parents at home are both working and they're under pressure constantly to keep up with the way that finances are going across the world. You know, we're in a global downturn now, which you know is reflected in schools in the way that students are pressurised by their parents because they've got to essentially take themselves out of that. Mm. You've also got a number of uh, cultures who are now reaching for first world status. So there's a huge pressure, particularly on some of the subcontinent cultures, to come out of you know, a sort of third world type of culture that they've had in the past and really push themselves towards the top, top professions, um, being doctors and lawyers, but not just being doctors and lawyers within their own countries and their own regions now, but actually traveling overseas and accessing the top universities in the world. You know, there's a lot of a lot of that that goes on, particularly here in uh, Sharjah with the large Indian and Pakistani populations mm, that we have. All over the UAE, yeah, yeah, as well. And that extends, you know, at, at Scholars International, we have a lot of Indian, a lot of Pakistani, a lot of Egyptians, and they all seem to face this same thing. Parents want them to actually come out of their own countries. They don't want to study in their own countries anymore. They want them in places like Harvard, MIT, Oxford, Cambridge. And, and that push is huge for those children. They do feel that their parents are paying all this money and that they really can't let them down. And you know, some of this pressure is put upon themselves because of the fear of failing their parents. And it's not necessarily put on them by their parents, but they have that innate in their heart, I don't want to let my parents down, I don't want to let them down. Mm. And it's oftentimes that thing of, um, I don't know why it just it hasn't changed but it's almost like if you're not becoming a, a doctor or a lawyer your career doesn't matter and you're not doing something that is worthwhile is this something that you see both of you uh, uh, yeah go ahead I, I was just gonna say yes you know it's a status symbol you know it's not you know, we we talk to some children we do a lot of very good counseling with our children particularly over their career profiles and when we talk to them and they say, you know, I want to be a doctor. And we say, well, why do you want to be a doctor? And you say, well, because I get paid a lot to be a doctor. So, well, but that's not a reason to be a doctor. You know, you want to, if you want to be a doctor, go and be the best doctor you can possibly be to help people. Not just because it gives you a status symbol in, you know, your family or your region that you come from. Yeah, I'd hate to be going to that doctor who's doing it for that purpose. Yeah. Um, but... Is there enough of a discussion that we're having around purpose and around, you know, what are we doing with our lives? And, you know, it doesn't have to be. Uh, this has been, you know, one of the biggest complaints uh, about um, how competitive the environment is um, academically, uh, whether it's at school, whether it's at university or whatever it is. Uh, are we having enough of that kind of a conversation, Zarine, where, um, you know, <laughs> You can be other things and you can be amazing at it and you can make a lot of money <laughs> and it can be fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, we have to go back and and kind of uh, revise the definition of success that we put forth, mm. especially um, in the household and the emotions that we connect to um, someone successing in school. I mean, being successful in their grades 
to their self-worth, how we're connecting the two, how we're connecting love and compassion when their grades are high or they're low. So it's a learned behavior when kids constantly only get um, love if they're doing well, then they associate that they have to constantly be on this treadmill mm. of performance. It's almost like being on a race and you get tired. Um, and I think that is when the mental health plays a huge role because um, you're you're stressing yourself out and your system, mm-hmm. not just uh, mentally, but physically it's draining as well. Exactly. Kids. And they can't take up extracurricular sports or activities. Art goes and takes a high, you know, and <laughs> goes somewhere else. And it's like when you, you know, you have time, you can go back to it. But these are essentials uh, for building character and developing the child for the future. Mm. And we sort of, as adults, have a lot of issues that we need to face, I think. And we project our own insecurities onto the children. And no, there's not enough conversation. There's not enough help still. Some schools luckily do have counseling sessions that they can go to, but there's such a stigma. So if their friends find out that they're taking help, that becomes another, you know, uh, set of conversation and there's a fear factor of being ousted that, oh, this person has a mental issue. So the taboo behind it and, you know, surrounding it, I think we need to kind of work on those. We've got so much to talk about, Zareen and Rob, uh, exploring mental health in young people today. Uh, And like you said, the stigma around it, it's Mm -hmm. not going away, but starting new conversations uh, and particularly uh, looking at ways uh, of dealing with it, looking at the performing arts, uh, and how that can help. And now want to come and, and talk into a little bit more depth about the, the uh, Slumber Party Confessions as well. You're listening to Life Beats here on Pulse95 with me, Sally Musa. This is Pulse95. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. Zarin Khan is here and she is uh, the playwright of the play that's been recently performed at a uh, school uh, here in the UAE. It is all about uh, slumber party confessions and um, this was at the Universal American School uh, in Dubai where they performed this. Um, what were the kind of issues, Zarin, that uh, you tackled within this play? Uh, one of the biggest um, issues, especially when you're younger, is trying to fit in. And that whole struggle of how should I change myself so I can fit into this group of people? And um, the idea of the play was to celebrate the differences rather than making everyone look like a cookie cutter machine. You know, you just popped out 20 of the same kind of people. Um, so it was it was actually reflecting on also racial discrimination sometimes that kids face, mm-hmm. especially when we live in the UAE. There's so many cultures and there's so many mixed marriages and sometimes you really cannot tell them where you're from because, you know, you have like so many ethnicities mixed in. So it becomes a difficult question. It does. It yeah. does. You know, and I had a I had a friend in school and some people used to call her the cocktail. And it was used as a funny thing, but I'm sure that it wasn't at that point for that child. Because we're still, you know, at that age, at that, yeah. at that age, you're still trying to um, work out your identity, even exactly. if you're not mixed. Exactly. Um, that can be a really difficult thing to kind yeah. of to, to come to grips with as a young person. It um, is. And who you are and where you come from. And you may have lived in a whole bunch of different countries mm-hmm. as well, coming um, to the UAE. You know, a lot of expat kids, that can be a really difficult thing because you're like, well, I've never really been in a country long enough to 
um, to know, or, you know, you haven't lived in the country where you were born. My kids have not lived in the country where mm. they are from and born. Yeah. So, you know, when they can ask, it's <laughs> And then it's, it's funny how people will answer that. So some children will actually say, you know, but my passport's from there, so I'm from there. Right. I really am not really originally from where I'm. <laughs> my parents are. My parents are from there, but I'm mm. not. So it, you learn a lot about how they've been discriminated and how they've learned to use the, the maybe the most um, acceptable Mm. nationality as the 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 one that they want to stick to mm. um apart yeah social media as well yes being and body one. image you know i think body image uh issues starts very young um how young man i've seen six-year-olds asking me if how many calories a pizza stick has and i'm just like what do you even know what calories mean a six-year-old <laughs> a six-year-old is asking you how many calories there are yeah and she pizza. was about to go onto stage and we had food at the backstage you know I'm like, just eat up something because I don't want you to be nauseous and throw up because they're usually empty stomach. And nervous. And nervous whatever. and, yeah. you know, nerve racks. And she just wanted to know what calories. And I'm just like, what? Just eat. <laughs> At this point, you need the carbs. You need the fat. You need everything. That blows my mind that this is yeah. even a concern for a six-year-old. It, it is. It is. And they actually have those calorie counters on their phones. And um, they, they calculate and they know how many they should have per day. Is it worse in the performing arts? And, and I don't know, like... You know, the, um, this is, you know, performing on stage and modeling that you so yeah, deal I, with. So, yeah, I work with extreme, uh, yeah, cases. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's not as bad um, as it is, you know, with these select groups. I'm, I'm talking about high-achieving performers. Wow. Some of them are ballerinas. Some of them are dancers, singers, actors mm. um, that I work with constantly and musicians. And through it all, they have so many things that they deal with. And eating and having that habit of, um, you know, asking for calorie counts, that is wow. very predominant. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, there is, um, I, you know, UAE, one of the greatest things about it is the land of opportunity. You know, I know from my own children that we have so many more opportunities for them to go to, which we wouldn't get back in the UK. The access to things due to low population and things like that is immense. And I do think parents take it that step too far. And they take them to all these auditions and all these trials and all of this because they can and they're able to and maybe the the level of uh, income that they have allows them to do more and allows them to take them to these classes. I mean, there are classes for everything. Even my own two children last year were doing parkour. You know, they were learning in, a, <laughs> in an environment jump, how to jump off buildings. You know, <laughs> the opportunities are, are massive for them and parents do take it that step too far. Because yeah. it was interesting, I was reading in one of the newspapers in the UK that actually... Um, I think it's this weekend coming up, one of the local councils in the UK have asked for silent support weekend for all their football matches, all their school level football matches. They've asked all parents to not say anything during the game because they're worried about, you know, the parents shouting abuse particularly, but also, you know, getting too into the game and not allowing children just to have fun. And I think there's an element here in Dubai or in the Emirates um, of that, you know, parents pushing themselves, pushing their children to go and do this play, this performance, this football match, go for trials with La Liga and all these things. And yeah. it gets very pressurised Well, you've for got them. these international soccer schools and all football schools and all that kind of thing as well. But um, I love that idea, you know, of just the parents have just got to just calm down because they're just projecting all of their madness onto the kids sometimes. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, oh my gosh, that's that. It just it feels like something for for Arab parents too. I just I keep 
it just keeps coming back to me that you know the Arab parents are, are like that as well. Um, and it's funny to me that this is happening in the UK, but you know what? <laughs> Sometimes we get just we just overboard. But I think that's it, Sally. It's, you know, it's it's a worldwide thing. It's not specific to the UAE, yeah. UK. You worked in China, exactly the same. You know, the idea now with the social media and media in general of being able to jump out of your socioeconomic state mm. through performing arts, through sport is so huge. It's huge, yeah. That, you know, this is an avenue to take your child into another level. Mm-mm-mm. You know, essentially by investing, you know, and I've talked to parents and parents are seriously like this. They'll say, yeah, I'm investing in my uh, inheritance here. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's the, the language that they actually use. Yeah. Wow. That's just incredible. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Rob Ellis is here. Uh, he is a vice principal and head of secondary at Scholars International Academy, uh, as well as Zarin Khan, who is uh, the playwright of uh, uh, the uh, Slumber Party Confessions. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. We'd love for your input uh, on this as well. We're going to be hearing from one uh, young woman uh, who is a worldwide supermodel, but she's written a book called Mirror Mirror. Um, and she talks about exactly this, uh, what it's like being a teenager, being a young person and having to deal uh, with all of these issues. We'll be hearing from her next on Life Beats here on Pulse 95. Talk about radio. It's Pulse 95. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. A lot to talk about with Rob Ellis, uh, Vice Principal and Head of Secondary at Scholars International Academy, and Zarin Khan, uh, the author of the Slumber Party Confessions. Uh, we're talking about young people and mental health and the kind of issues um, that are facing them. And boy, there are many, um, including extremely pushy parents. I want to get to that in a moment, especially um, we've talked about it, talked about it academically, but also in the performing arts. If you've got kids who are uh, competing, this is something you alluded to as well, Rob. Um, kids who are competing in sports, kids in uh, the performing arts, um, it can get out of hand. Um, let's listen to to um, Cara Delevingne. Um, she recently wrote a book uh, called Mirror Mirror, and this is uh, all about the struggles that she went through as a teenager and how mental health affected her. I mean, I think for me, the inspiration was, again, being a teenager. And I have been very open about, you know, my kind of time and, and, and troubles actually being a teenager. And they're just the turbulent mayhem and, and mixture of hormones and feelings. And, you know, you feel so much at that point. And it, I felt like it was my duty, especially now for teenagers who grow up with so much pressure and social media and, you know, so much issues with identity and family stuff. It's There's just so much. And, it, yeah, I felt it was my duty. To, to write a book which they could, you know, really connect to. So, so what helped you then? Because, I mean, you have been very open about, about being a teenager and not being able to communicate and, and depression creeping in. So, so what was it? What was the turning point for you? Um, again, <clears throat> for me, it was realising that I shouldn't be ashamed of, of feeling these things and um, that I wasn't alone and that everyone kind of goes through these these things and being vulnerable is actually a strength, it's not a weakness mm. and showing your emotion and being honest about it, you know, and I think that's why more and more mental health is such an important thing to talk about. It's exactly the same as being 
physically sick. And when you keep all those things inside, when you bottle them up, it makes you ill. Mm. Um, so again, for me, it was just, it, it was important to highlight those things. And I've talked about, you know, a lot of the lows being a teenager, but also I had an incredible time being a teenager. There's, and again, this book highlights both of those things. Well, you, um, you've said yourself that uh, I think your teenage years, a, a roller coaster to hell was, uh, was, was something that I read. I don't know you actually, My did you say having that? Having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> um, because and... I'm not in hell now, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I just think at times the things that, are, unfortunately, the things, you know, that stick with all of us the most are actually the, the darkest times yeah. in our lives, I think, mm. the traumatic maybe times at some point. Um, you know, those are some of the points that I remember most. I wish you'd communicated your emotions better or more. Totally. You... I didn't know how to communicate my emotions. I was so ashamed of the way I felt because I, you know, I have, I was a very, you know, I have a very priv privileged upbringing and I'm very lucky and went to an amazing school and I definitely took my education for granted and, and so many things, but I had depression and I had moments where I didn't want to carry on living and then the guilt of feeling that way and not being able to tell anyone because yeah. I shouldn't feel that way and I shouldn't feel bad and you know it was that kind of blame and you, guilt. When you look at all of those um, Instagram followers that you've got and a lot of those are teenagers and you obviously have a voice that can connect with teenagers because of what you've been through yourself, do you feel like there's a huge amount of responsibility that comes with that also? I mean again responsibility it's more of just because I am lucky enough to be able to do the things that I love and have also gone through enough to know that these dreams that I had when I was younger and even though I didn't think or I never believed in myself that if you do love yourself and learn how to just not give in to what other people think about you, not to care what other people think and just follow your dreams that you can achieve anything and that's what I want to be for teenagers is not necessarily a role model but you know someone that has gone through it and come has come out the other side. Yeah. And that is Cara Delevingne, international supermodel. She uh, does amazing, amazing things. Is all on all of the magazine covers. Has um, uh, you know so many millions and millions of Instagram followers. Um, you were nodding a lot there, uh, Zarine, to what she was saying, uh, because a lot of what she's saying is is stuff that you wrote about in your play. Very relevant. I think the disconnect on being able to have a conversation. We had one character in the play and she discusses how it's so difficult to come up with the words and uh, to, you know, to label her emotions. And you've got to be so careful of how you phrase it. Exactly. Um, and she's a very, again, in my play, she's privileged. She, she's smart. She's got everything going for herself. So for her, it's very difficult to sometimes say, I'm having a downtime mm. and to communicate with um, her parents in the play. And she thinks she has nothing interesting to add value. So she doesn't say much at all. And it just keeps building up, mm. you know, inside. And, and also with the WhatsApp culture that we have, where a lot of major feelings or emotions are expressed on a text, which I think is just so harmful. And it could be misunderstood. And I think we need to really have face-to-face -face conversations because there's so much body language as well that we miss out on. Um, and literally just go back to the basics of having conversations and making that a point Especially during dinner, I always um, ask kids who work with me that around that time, don't have your phones on the table, you know. Even if we're all sitting together for lunch, we, we have that whole policy, like, let's just keep our phones away mm -hmm. so we can look at each other and talk to each other. Um, just to start practicing things that we used to know, that used to things come easy. Things we used to know. Things we exactly. used to know. Uh, Rob, is this something that you see as well? 
Yeah, I think, you know, at, at Scholars, we make sure that we have very safe spaces for them to go and talk to. Um, we run a listening ear service where we have probably about 20 to 30 members of staff who are available for children to go and talk to. And it's a confidential chat. And they, they need that space. They need that space to open up fully and realising that it's not going to go anywhere. They, sometimes they just, like adults, they want to just vent. Mm. They just want to tell someone everything that they can't tell anyone else, that it doesn't go any further. And we know as adults that sometimes that's the best way to get ourselves out of a bad mood. We just need to go to someone and just go, ah, this has happened, da-da-da. And once we've done it, we feel 100 times better and we can move on. And giving them those opportunities develops their skills in, okay, I if I talk about it, the problem seems less. And through talking, and we often find when we counsel with students, you know, we just let them talk. And they'll go in the full circle, come out with a problem, they'll talk, they'll rant about it, and then they'll come up with their own solution. And once we've done that, you know, we sit back and, you know, think, well, I've just spent 20 minutes and I haven't actually said anything. But just being there, operating that safe space, gives them that opportunity to solve their problems themselves. Sometimes yeah. you don't need to say anything at all, do you? It's just, like you said, it's having that ear just yeah. to listen. I th- yeah, I'll add on to that. I think your own voice is so powerful. Mm. And when you actually hear yourself talking, then you kind of reconnect to what you're trying to feel. So there is a huge... Um, yeah, there's a huge uh, greatness to being able to voice out what you're feeling. There's a power to there's it. There's a power to it, and we, yeah. we have to acknowledge it. When we hear it from our own ears, our own voice, it's a self-healing, self-soothing exercise. Yeah, and, you know, and it is best practice. You know, we're not, at the school, we're, we're teachers. We're not psychologists. We're not trained professionals. So for us to start giving our opinions, our opinions come from our own cultural backgrounds, which may not match with their cultural background either. So for us, you know, it's much safer to not just to listen rather than actually give advice. And you know, for us to start promising things and promising changes, mm. you know, it's a very slippery slope that we don't want to go on to. Mm. Apart from, uh, you know, having uh, that listening ear, which I think is a great thing, or listening to someone confidentially, just like Cara Delevingne um, and other celebrities, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, there are so many who have come out publicly um, to kind of talk about their struggles with depression, with anxiety, with other mental health issues. Um, Do you think that that is uh, also a really great way to also start the conversation and also um, give young people the confidence to get help too. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe at school having like an older student share their experience with a, a class of students at assembly or whatever it is, or somebody who's been, you know, an alumnus of the school and to kind of say, you know, this is where I am today, but this is what I've been through as well. I think that would be very powerful, but I'm not sure culturally we're there yet. You know, I 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, people when I was growing up in the UK used to laugh about Americans and their wish to keep going to psychologists for this and for that and right. everything like that. Isn't and it's true? only the last five to 10 years that going to a psychologist in the UK has been seen as, okay, yeah, if you feel you need to, go. But apart, from, you know, outside of having a need to go to psychologists, still psychologists are sidelined and very much so here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we talk to parents and we have a psychologist who comes into the school. We run coffee mornings mm. um, for parents to try and train that side of getting them to be able to open up at home. And they're still very much against the idea of their child talking to a trained professional. Yeah. Which yeah. I think, you know, if you're ill, you go to a doctor. Back if you're way. mentally ill, why not see a psychologist? What harm can it do? I think there's still a stigma of thinking that a psychologist is going to change the way my child thinks forever and is going to put bad ideas in there or something like this. And it's just not true. You need to sort of let these trained professionals into uh, the schools and, and help the children as, as they can. Because, as I said, as teachers, we are limited. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a, a text come in uh, in the first hour from uh, Doris saying that uh, there should be mental health classes at school, uh, you know, where kids are taught about these things and, and it's discussed like in an open manner. Uh, so we'd love to get your uh, thoughts on this. Get Keep your texts and questions coming in. We're going to continue the conversation here on Life Beats with me, Sally Musa on Pulse95. Talk about radio. Talk about radio. It's Pulse95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Just the last few moments here with uh, Rob Ellis and Zareen as well. Zareen Khan, uh, they are both here. We are talking uh, mental health and young people. Um, and we were just uh, we just heard from Carla Delevingne, the international supermodel. Um, Zareen, and you were saying, actually, it makes a huge difference when people like that yeah. um, do speak up to young people because... They're not likely to listen to adults. They're not. I mean, especially if they're following an influencer or a celebrity, they really feel connected to that mm. personality. And to hear them speak about things that they're going through, there definitely is a connection and they'll take it a lot more seriously. Or even from their peers, you know, people in that same age group. Um, anytime someone who's older comes on board that, I don't know, there's seems to be a filter that goes through the, the earlobes and, and kids are not very open. Because you think, you know, that how can, I mean, my, <laughs> my 12-year-old, hi Janine, uh, she says this all the time, mom, you know, that was the stone age back then when you did that. Whenever I say, no, you can't do this or do that, she's like, well, that was then and this is now. Yeah. And, and I don't know, it's so funny. It's like, I'm going through this set, like I went through the same thing that you went through. But they, like you said, they don't hear it. Yeah, and they'd they rather think... Google it. They'd rather Google it than talk about it with their moms or dads. You know, I'm going through this and Google helped me. <laughs> the Googles become like a parent. Really? I, I really, true. yeah, seriously. Yeah. I have a lot of um, kids who, who- Online. Online. And everything happens online. And they can find YouTube videos on certain things. Um, so. Yeah, I think technology really has taken a lot more footing in the past decade. And they really are going through something different. The self-awareness is so much more right now mm. than when we were kids. Um, you know, we had to we took time to learn a few things here. They're bombarded constantly, which, you know, kind of brings us the, to the topic of online bullying. Rob, is this yeah. something that you see, you know, with kids at school that it happens? You know, somebody posts something about somebody else and it spreads it goes viral and the kind of impact that that can have yeah i mean in my experience yeah bullying always happens in schools you know we yeah. we desperately try and eradicate it but it always happens in some form mm. but when i was at school it was somebody running up to you and calling you name and that face-to-face -face interaction was very different now it's a case of doing online that there is no face-to-face -face. you don't know who's bullying 
we've had children who've been bullied by other children who don't know them, who go to different schools or maybe even in different countries, but they've read a thread of something else or they've seen a picture and they've decided this person is a victim. Mm. And then what you do get is, and it's a real issue, is the like button. So many people, so many children press like. And if you imagine you've got something that's been said which is negative about you, and then there are a thousand people that have just clicked like, that's going to make you feel a thousand times worse. It's, you know, it's not like before, you wouldn't get a thousand people standing around you all chanting a name at you, but mm. on the internet, it's perfectly reasonable to do that. And I'd also you know, say that one of the things to talk about with online and Googling, you know, there are areas of the internet which are not particularly well filtered, which actually promote things like self-harm. Mm. You know, there was a blue whale yeah. internet site that was prevalent recently. You know, so children are going online and actually seeing methods to deal with stress as being some self-harm techniques and that's that's really damaging for them so in the last uh, couple of minutes now i just want to get from the the two of you wh what's the way forward now what should we be doing and thinking about as parents as educators as people who work with young people uh rob i, I you know the big thing for me is the education of it you know we need to get more of it into school we need to get more of an open dialogue mm. between not just the school and the students. I feel that at Scholars that we have that between our students and staff, but it's also getting the parents and getting them out from their busy lives, take time out with us to discuss the issue that their children are going through. And if we can educate the whole community, then we can move forward. But until we do that, you know, we're, we're stuck as a dialogue between students and staff and not the parents. Mm -hmm. It needs to be more holistic. Zareen? Um, what I'd like to add on is uh, probably that we have to learn to be okay with failure, um, especially for children. I think we, and even emotions that are not happy. You know, I think there's such a pressure on happiness all the time. And as human beings, it's impossible to be happy 24-7. So why would we expect our kids to be happy all the time? So yeah. if they're sad or if they're having a downtime, we should allow them to experience that as well. It's a part of growth and development. So definitely less pressure and more more listening time. As, as Rob mentioned earlier, I think we need to be better listeners. Take the time. Yeah. Take the time. Who was it that said um, love is spelt T-I-M-E? <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what it is. Um, particularly for us as parents, we, we, have, to, we have to take the time. Uh, sometimes we don't, but we do need to take more time. And unfortunately, we've run out of it here. Uh, I just want to thank the two of you, uh, Rob Ellis, Vice Principal and Head of Secondary at Scholars International Academy. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, Zarin Khan, uh, uh, thank you so much for being with us and for writing this fantastic play. My Having pleasure. it performed. <laughs> do you know, are you going to try and get more of these kind of plays? Yes, we're talking performed? to more schools. Um, so yeah, we'll come in. at Rob. <laughs> Hi, Rob. No, we'll definitely, we'll definitely have yeah. you in. We'll come in and we'll perform for free anytime for Amazing. different schools because we just want to spread the message. Excellent. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's great for parents to hear. It's another way. It's another outlet. And yeah. that will give parents more of an insight into their kids' lives and what they're going through. Thank yeah. you both so much, and thank you to everybody uh, who tuned in today to Life Beats uh, with me. Don't forget, if you've missed the show, it will be on podcast uh, very shortly. Our other shows are on podcast uh, on SoundCloud 
and Apple Podcasts. So make sure you look for Life Beats there. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, we'd love to hear what you think of it. Any topics that you think we should be covering, Life Beats at smc.ae is the email address that you can reach us on. Tomorrow, we are going to be uh, live uh, with live updates at the Frankfurt Book Fair. It's really exciting. That is going on at the moment. And we are going to take you to Al Rawi, which is the gorgeous new cafe and restaurant at Majaz Waterfront. It's really become uh, not only a place for great food, but the newest community hotspot here in Sharjah. So join me, Sally Musa, tomorrow from 10 a.m. for Life Beats here on Pulse95. Pulse 95. Pulse, Pulse 95. The heart of Sharjah.